0: Welcome to Tardy Mechanach Yomi with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Adina Schmidman, and today we will be learning Sefer Yehoshua, Perek Yud Gimel. Yesterday's Perek Yud Beis 12 enumerates the kings and territories that Bnei Israel conquered under the leadership of Moshe and Yehoshua. It starts with the battles of Sichon and Og and concludes with the defeat of the 31 kings under Yehoshua's leadership. The detailed enumeration of the conquered kings emphasizes the fulfillment of Hashem's promise to give the land to the descendants of Avraham. We too are on a trajectory of history as the people were then. The conquering of the land affirmed our connection with our past and the sense of future and destiny. Our parak today, Yud Gimel, is divided into two parts. Sukim Aleph to Yudalid 1-14 delineate the areas in Eretz Yisrael which the Jews were not able to conquer during the seven years of conquest. Pasuk Tesvav 15-19 through Yud the Navi delineates the boundaries of the territories that Bnei Yisrael were going to inherit. The end of the Perak describes the territories on the east side of the Yardin which were given to Shevet Reuven, Gud, and half of Manasseh. While on the surface, the next prakim appeared to be geographical locations and allocations, the Navi is not a lesson in cartography. Every detail sheds insight, some of which are obvious and some may not be. Pasuk Aleph begins, V'yoshua zakein ba love atazakanta, basa bayamim, nishara Yahushua was old, advanced in years, and Hashem said to him, You have grown old, advanced in years, and a great deal of land still remains to be possessed. Metsudah David describes how one perceives someone who is old. White hair, wrinkled face. Sometimes someone may look prematurely old. But regarding Yahushua, he was ba bayamim. His days made him legitimately old. According to the Ebenezer, he was 103 at this point. The puzzle continues highlighting that the land was still not divided. This was said with a tinge of criticism against Yehoshua, for in contrast to Moshe, who showed alacrity when conquering Sichon and Og, knowing that he was going to die after the battle, Yehoshua delayed in conquering the land. The Medrash, as quoted by the Malbim, explains that he delayed not because he wanted to live longer, but that he knew that so long as he was alive, the Jewish people would remain completely committed to Hashem, and so he wanted to prolong this state. Even so, the expectation was that he would move forward quickly to apportion and settle the land. If one looks at the sources, there are several descriptions of the boundaries of Eretz Yisrael, some more expansive, some more in line with the country we know. The Tvuos Ha'aretz suggests that the expansive borders are for when the Jewish people will be so numerous that they would require additional land for expansion. But when they entered the land, they were given the land to meet their needs, matching the size of the Shvatim. Even within these borders, Yoshua was unable to fully root out and destroy the seven nations. It was only during the time of David and Shlomo that all the land was conquered. Say Aleph, 865. Shlomo imo, kahol gadol, and it was at that time that Shlomo the king had a feast, and all of Israel were with him, a great congregation from Lavo Hamas to Nahal Mitzrayim, the wadi of Mitzrayim, before Hashem our God, seven days and seven days. Equaling fourteen days. Back to our Perak, Pasuk Beis two, Zos ha'aretz hanishares, This is the land which still remains. All of the districts of the Plishtim and the geshuri. Looking at a map, the unconquered area in the north pretty much follows Israel's northern boundary today. The territory could have gone much further, but it was not to be. In the south, the Gaza Strip area, as well as the area below Be'er Sheva, were also not conquered. The Ramban comments in Bereshit's Parak Yud, Pasuk Tesvav, 1015, that while the area of the Plishtim was not given to Avraham, as the Plishtim are descendants of Canaan's brother Mitzrayim, rather than Canaan, those cities that the Plishtim conquered from the Canaanim would ultimately be possessed by Bnei Israel: Gass, Ekron, Ashtod, Ashkelon, and Aza. Pasuk Vav 6 concludes with a very powerful statement. Hashem says, Anochi HaRishim Mipnei Bnei Yisrael I will drive them out for the children of Israel. You have only to divide it by lottery for the Bnei Yisrael as an inheritance, as I command you. The Malpah makes a distinction between nachalah, an inheritance passing from generation to generation, and Yerusha, a transfer of property from one owner to another. Sheyotse mi rishus zeh acher. So long as the land wasn't conquered, the term Nachalah is used in anticipation of inheritance, generation to generation. Once the land was conquered but not yet divided, the term Yerusha is used, transferring the property from the knanim to the Bnei israel. Once the land was divided, the term Nachalah would be used again, as B'nai Yisrael would acquire the land as an inheritance. Pasuk Zayin, 7. B'atah chaleik es ha'aretz hazos b'nachala, l'sish'as ha'svatim v'chatsi ha'shevet ha'menasha. And now, divide this land for an inheritance for the nine tribes and part of the tribe of Manasha. Pasuk Ches, 8. Imo Haruveni reuveni v'agadi l'chu nachalasam. And the people from Reuven and Gad took their inheritance, asher Moshe Mizracha, which Moshe had given to them on the eastern side of the Yardin. kasher lahem Moshe evet Hashem, just as Moshe, the servant of Hashem, had given them. One detail, which is very telling, is who received their nachalah first. Rashi and Gemara Sota. Daf Zain Amid Bey's teaches that Shevet Gud was supposed to receive his portion first as described in Sefer BaMidbar 32:33. Nachnu na'avar Hashem We will pass over armed before Hashem into the land of Canaan, a sense of tenacity and energy that the possession of our inheritance may be ours on this side of the Yardin. They were willing to commit to aid B'nai Israel in conquering the land of Israel, despite the fact that their territory was on the eastern side of the Yardin. But, in fact, we see in our parak that Reuven received the Nachalah on the east side of the Yardin first. What's chus did Reuven have to deserve the first Nachla before Shevekad? If we look on the western side of the Yardin, Yehuda received his territory first. The Gemara in Sota explains that when a woman is being accused of being unfaithful to her husband, she is encouraged to confess. She is read the passage in Bereshus recalling when Reuven moved his father's bed. She is then asked, Do you know how Reuven was rewarded in this world for confessing his sin? She was told that as compensation, his grandchildren received the first portion of the land when Eretz Yisrael was divided. Publicly confessing one's sin requires a person to recognize that Hashem knows all and owns all. It takes a tremendous amount of self-awareness and humility. Rabbi Yochanan said, All those 40 years that the Jewish people were in the desert, the bones of Yehuda, which the Jewish people took with them from Egypt, along with the bones of his brothers, were rolling around in the coffin, until Moshe came and asked for mercy on Yehuda's behalf. Moshe said before Hashem, Master of the universe, who served as the impetus for Reuven that he should confess his sin, through which he merited a blessing and was not excluded from the count of the twelve sons of Yaakov, it was Yehuda as Ruuvain saw him confess his sin and thereby did the same. The model for Ruuvein was Yehuda, who, when faced with the three objects that he had given Tamar as collateral, confessed publicly. Ruuvein saw this and confessed his own sin. The Chida, Rav Chaim Yosef David Azulai ben Yitzhak Zecharia, an 18th century commentator, explains that the name of the land, Kena'an, while generally understood as being named for the former inhabitants of the land, is related to the word hachna'a, humility, to submit oneself before another. You see, the land of Israel was given to those who would humble themselves before Hashem, and subordinate themselves to his Torah. It is therefore appropriate to begin the settling of the land by apportioning the land to those who showed remarkable humility. Hachnaa, the children of Reuven and Yehuda. Their humility was marked in the defining of the land. It's an interesting idea that the ownership of land suggests individual rights and entitlement, To counter these ideas, the first steps in allocating the land was to deliver the message of humility. We know the challenge of admitting, of recognizing that we're not always the ones in the right. It takes character and it's challenging to acknowledge that someone else is correct. Let us take this lesson of humility and define our space and interactions with the quality that defines our land. We're about to hear about the lottery that divided the land and apportioned it to the people of Israel. Note that these were the people on the west side of the Yardain, because the land on the east side of the Yardain, belonging to Reuven, Gad, and half of Manasseh, was apportioned by Moshe. By describing these territories as the introduction to the Chiluk Haaretz, the dividing of the land of Israel, it gives weight to the Transjordan tribes as they were receiving their land at the same time as Bnei Israel. At the same time, mentioning Moshe's name at the time of apportioning the land draws a seamless trajectory from Moshe to Yehoshua in both the Kibush, the conquest, and the Chiluk, the division of the land. Pasuk Dalid 14 but it was to the tribe of Levi that he gave no inheritance. It is the offerings to Hashem, the God of Israel, that is his portion. Like Hashem told to him. Shevet Levi was not given a Nachla in Eretz Yisrael. The Rambam in Hoshmita Yovel 1312, explains that the Levim were obligated to devote themselves completely to avodas HaKodesh, to serve in the Beis Hamidash and teach Torah. They certainly could not involve themselves in agriculture or warfare. Even though they didn't receive a portion, the other Shvatim needed to open up their cities and welcome them into their midst. Please allow me to read several phrases from the Rambam as he captures so beautifully the dedication of those who commit themselves to lives of Kleikodesh, kodesh, holy service. He writes, Kol ish v'ish mikol ba'e ha'olam asher any individual from all walks of life who asher nadva who dedicates their soul, and then he continues several lines later, Niskadesh Kodesh Kadashim, Via Hashem Chauko, Vinachalaso, La Olam, Olamim. He has been designated, sanctified as the Holy of Holies, and Hashem will be his portion forever and ever and ever. The Rambam highlights that. It's not only the people from the Shevet of Levi, but any one of the inhabitants of the world whose spirit generously motivates him and he understands with his wisdom to set himself aside and be someone who stands before Hashem to serve him, Hashem will be his portion and his heritage forever and will provide what is sufficient to him in this world just like he provides for the Kohanim and Levim, And this is what David HaMelech says, Hashem minas chauki v'chosi ata tomich garali. Hashem is the lot of my portion. You are my cup. You support my lot. Hashem minas v'chosi ata tomich Our community is so remarkably blessed to have dedicated Rabbanim, Morim, Moros, educators, rabbis, Rebetzins, people who have dedicated themselves to clay Kodesh, to holy work. Just as B'nai Israel were instructed to take them into the community to support their dedication, today too, this is true in a physical sense and in a psychological sense. Being supportive, positive, and encouraging to those who have dedicated themselves to the Klau. The parrot continues moving from idea to implementation, from Hashem's direction to Moshe's apportioning of the land. We once again hear echoes of the transition theme, moving from Moshe to Yehoshua, from the east side of the Yardain to the west side of the Yardain, from conquest to allocation. One valuable takeaway message for us in the division of the land is that every shaved is treated individually as a unique entity. It highlights that even as we are becoming a nation in our own land, individual and family identity is so important, so valuable. We're here in this world to take our unique, God-given abilities, talents, and characteristics, and use them to connect with Hashem, our family, our community, our people, and our land. Often, when I meet with a bat mitzvah girl, we learn the Shema. We translate the first line word by word. The word nafshecha, no problem, your soul. "Levavcha," no problem, your heart. But me'odecha, the girls are stymied. With a bit of coaxing, they realize that they know the word me'od, very, and the suffix, your, so, your varies? Yes, your varies. We each have things about us that are very: passionate, enthusiastic, organized, kind-hearted, social, verbal. Let's take our varies and use them to make the world a better place, and recognize that our individual gifts... Are what build a greater, better, and stronger community. Thank you for studying together, Le'iloy Nishmot, <laughs> imotenu Nuhay Esther Oppenheimer, Alaha Shalom, and Sarah Shankar, Alaha Shalom, each deeply devoted and proud to transmit their family's Torah legacy to the next generations.